This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to the Media Rumble Sessions. Welcome to the 6th edition of the Media Rumble produced by News Laundry and Teamwork Arts. We welcome all of you to this session. Who's the outsider? Amit Kumar, Nazimuddin Siddiqui, Nona Arhe, Sangeeta Baruha, Suraj Gogoi in conversation with Samrat Chaudhary. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Who's the Outsider? Handing it over to the panelists. Hi, welcome everyone. So our topic is the insider-outsider issue in Northeast India. And as all of us from the region know, and perhaps now an increasing number of people outside the region also know, it is an issue of uh, a great importance, uh, a, a fractious issue which keeps coming up year after year. It's been there for a very long time. I think I would date it too well before the independence of India, but it's definitely been around for a very long time. And in recent years, it has become uh, spilled out from the region and become an issue that uh, has become of national uh, interest and importance because I think some issues which which have their roots in Assam have sort of some acronyms from there have become familiar to the rest of the country. Acronyms like NRC and CAA, which arguably also goes back there. So uh, <clears throat> there has been excellent reporting on, on some of these issues. And uh, I hope they have introduced uh, people within the region firstly, and of course outside the region as well, uh, to, to these issues. And also to a very important point, which is that uh, the Northeast is a region of immense diversity. There are many different kinds of people and communities. And it is very far from being a monolith, which sometimes is the picture that builds up, for example, maybe in Delhi. There are literally hundreds of languages, and uh, it's a region of seven or eight. And I say seven or eight because the inclusion of Sikkim sometimes still feels a bit odd. Uh, now, if, if uh, states, so if I start counting seven states in, say, for example, uh, some other part of India. So let's start from Kanyakumari. So Tamil Nadu, Karnataka, I'm counting contiguous states. So Tamil Nadu, Karnataka, Maharashtra, Gujarat, Rajasthan, Punjab, Jammu and Kashmir. So if I count seven states from south to north, I can do a full Bharat Jodo Yatra. So, so seven states is what we have in the northeast. And uh, it's smaller states, but, but they're still a quite large area and a quite diverse area. To go beyond the headlines and without further ado, since time is short, I will just dive straight into the questions. And my first question is for Nona, who is from Nagaland, and uh, she's come here from Kohima. Uh, so, you know, I would ask Nona, who is the outsider in Nagaland? Who would be considered an outsider in Nagaland? Thank you, Samrat. I think from, uh, from Nagaland's perspective, um, the current uh, sentiments and the local discourse is that everybody uh, is an outsider except an indigenous um, Naga um, belonging to one of the um, um, Naga tribes. Um, whose belongingness is demarcated by the um, uh, by the district that he comes from, you know. So only they are the uh, the 
insiders and everybody else is an outsider. So, so does that mean that, for example, a Naga from uh, some other part of Nagaland would be considered a bit of an outsider in, say, Kohima, which is in the Angami area? So somebody who comes from, say, uh, you know, eastern Nagaland, would they be considered a bit of an outsider? Definitely and absolutely. I think um, there, at every level, there's a classification of who is an outsider. You know, so the classification can go to different uh, levels dep depending on uh, where they come from. Yeah. Okay. It gets quite specific. And does it does it have any implications? I mean, what happens if you're an outsider? Well, I think you know, um, um, you know, Naglen is. You know, it had, they have a, a 17 tribes, and tribalism is something that uh, that has been a big problem. You know, so for example, Kohima belongs. Kohima is you know um, an Angami area. So for somebody from the north, uh, somebody from like Mogochung or Zeneboto, if they come to Kohima, they'll feel a bit out, like an outsider and probably even bullied. You know, but the same will happen to an Angami if he goes to uh, Mogokchung, You know, yeah. Right. Interesting. And uh, okay, why do you think it's like that? What's what's the origin of this? So I guess it boils down to the um, to the question of you know the existential question. I think when there's a threat, you know, even within you know, there's a when there was less, less population, I think people were okay. But now with growing population and you know everything is getting scarce, I think this is becoming even more and more. Okay, yeah. interesting. So Sangeeta, you've done a lot of work on this issue, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll take the same question to you. I mean, what is it that drives this politics or this sentiment of the insider and the outsider? Not necessarily about Nagaland, but maybe about Assam or about the Northeast in general. No, I agree with uh, Anona. It's actually so region specific. When she boiled it down to, put it down to district, you see. So I, uh, I remember, you know, when I was um, writing this uh, book on Assam Accord, uh, that was the time when this whole NRC thing was being updated. And uh, uh, morning I was with the family uh, in Dhubri, which is which has the border, uh, which borders Bangladesh. Uh, so uh, uh, they, the local people said that I'll, we'll take you to, um, um, uh, you know, to this river. Uh, there's a river called Gangadhar, which we call it Gadadhar. So uh, both sides, you know, there were people fishing. So on the Bangladesh side and this side. So the people from both the sides speak the same language, look the same, wear the same clothes. Then they told me, Didi, dekhon, Bangladeshi. <laughs> so... I was just thinking, I said, my God, that's the outsider. So as we keep coming and um, uh, maybe, uh, and then I met another family whose um, wife had committed suicide uh, in a very small tin tenement, you know, and uh, because she had no papers and uh, the family origin, I think many generations ago from Bihar, so they have no contact with that family, so they, she couldn't establish and she was being bullied to find papers and uh, she committed suicide. And uh, that man was like, you know, he had to learn how to cook and he was telling me everything. You know, that. So I was very moved and I, that day I drove uh, down to Upper Assam and that was the Bihu time. 
and everybody was celebrating and i just told my mother i said you know this is what i saw today they said dhubri uh, she said uh, which side okay many look at them also as bangladeshi so you these you know the people who um, um, uh, you know when identifying somebody pinpointing it will be earlier in the day yeah. uh, actually being looked as outsider if yeah. you move away from this so i completely uh, uh, agree with what she's saying you know so so it is that you know so uh, that is how and then if you put in politics there okay uh, it's a little combination you know and assam is an acute example of that at the moment at the moment and for quite a while before the moment also right so you know uh, nazim uh, this this uh, issue of uh, you know who's who's the outsider automatically the moment we talk about northeast india i think especially now in the context of the nrc and in the context uh, historically also of what's gone on there for a while i think the uh, issue of religion also comes in religious identity in addition to linguistic identity so what are your views on how this issue is been constructed and how it's shaping up i think uh, it is uh, fully constructed uh, thing is that when we talk about outsider I mean, on what we have uh, we are discussing uh, like sangita said uh, Okay, let me be very specific. Uh, if you see community-wise in Assam, uh, if you uh, see who are outsiders there, then there are many communities which are en masse targeted as outsider. For instance, you see the Adivasis there. Adivasis are living there for centuries. These are the people who were taken by uh, uh, taken there by the Britishers during colonial era, and you if you go there and visit and uh, see their socio economic status there it's very pathetic their representation in universities their representation in politics their representation in institutions in different parts of the state is uh, very sad then the then another community for instance uh, uh, it's a conglomeration of various communities but uh, the community that is suffering uh, uh, discriminations on the basis of this outsider tag is as uh, just uh, sangeeta pointed out in from uh, other parts of assam is other in the sense uh, the eastern parts of assam is uh, the mias uh, mias are uh, a community that uh, is originally from east bengal that was uh, part of colonial india and what uh, was uh, you know divided again uh, as east pakistan and then become it became 1971 it became bangladesh so this uh, community is targeted uh, there largely in every every aspect uh, in 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 every aspect of their social life political life uh, and not only these two communities there are many other communities for instance if you talk about bodos bodo is a tribal group which consists of 4% of the population of assam bodos till that time they didn't start a movement called bodo movement which of course was very violent arguably but till that time they did not get their rights now they are getting economically they are doing uh, somewhat better but earlier their 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 interests were not given any priority their uh, uh, issues were not heard uh, so so in assam so there is, are is, many is, communities is this uh, is this an issue of of unequal development or is there an ethnic dimension to this of course the if you see the greater issue greater issue is underdevelopment 
so these issues are created okay, okay uh, the, the politicians uh, what they do is uh, they uh, make one group outsider and create kind of threat perception okay, okay this is the threat for the state then what happens is you stay away from the question of development you don't ask good schools you don't ask good education institutions you don't ask good healthcare system you don't ask good roads you don't ask anything you just say that bangladeshis will take over assam now who is this bangladeshis bangladeshis are the people i mean the, the muslims who are staying there uh, over generations successive generations over centuries these people are targeted as bangladeshis and why Uh, why because because it why makes why are they called bangladeshis i think the the background is a bit it's it's interesting to you know have a short uh, introduction to the background okay this is completely a construction i mean uh, this community i also belong to mia community i do not have anything to do with bangladesh of course uh, the history of assam is the history of migration many communities all the communities in fact they have migrated from one place or another for instance we call the ahoms ahoms uh, uh, is the uh, community which ruled assam for the longest period of time not the entire assam but a part of assam significant part of assam they also migrated from someone uh, some uh, other parts but long back in in, in 13th century uh, 1228 yeah, uh, yeah so so every community has migrated from one place to another likewise the mias also have migrated from east bengal to assam uh, some 100 years back but now targeting this community why if you ask why this communities are is targeted because targeting things makes easier for the politicians and many people fall prey to this thing and uh, the political leaders are using this very nicely to keep the state away from development if you see assam okay. there are hundreds of problems which needs to be focused but If you take that, okay, Mia sir, taking over Assam, it's over. Okay. No questions are asked. Sangeeta, would you like to add something to this? Um, um, you know, I uh, think that this whole uh, creation of the fear—it's actually not created by the politicians. They make use of it. The fear has always been there because, as you said, uh, you know, entire North is not just Assam is made up of uh, a, a diversity, you know, of people, and people are, um, um, you know, they're they're very few in any uh, uh, most communities. I mean, like if you say look at Manipur, you know, uh, the if the Maitas are the majority, but what is their population? About thirteen to fifteen lakhs. Okay, so uh, it's like that, you know. um uh like uh, we all know mary com you know uh, what what is the com's population you know maybe in a few uh, 2000 or maybe 1500 people okay so it's it's that fear of that uh, you know the other taking over okay and that fear has always uh, been there and i actually feel that the uh, uh, the indian state has not been able to address this fear um in a meaningful way like they tried okay i mean like what we see are these instruments like the autonomous district councils and all there's no mention of these in the constitution of states and all of that where has this come from these are instruments being built to address this but in the process as uh, he said you know as in the said there's no development that comes to it so in the borough areas now this is the third accord that has happened okay so uh, i am waiting for the fourth one now <laughs> 
so this okay. is what and the politicians what they do is they try to make use of it because they don't need to then do development they will put one community against the other you know and uh, if you look at assam particularly during the assam agitation time it of course the agitation took a religious turn too okay but uh, we we should not forget about what happened in nelly so uh, the thing is after that there was a lull you know the uh, people felt god what is happening you know i mean like little children being killed butchered like that so uh, and there was and last 40 years there was an, there was at least some semblance of i see people trying to come live next to each other okay but now what we again see is that it's being uh, again played with okay so then what happens i mean if another 40, 30 40 years one would need to come together i mean it's perhaps will become worse yeah and the basic thing underlying all this the you know the fear of the outside or the basic thing underlying it is is migration right i mean it's basically the fear that people are going to come in from across uh, a border which has been drawn fairly recently and uh, uh, so this fear of migrants fear of internal and external migrants has been has been happening for quite a few decades now I wanted to just bring Suraj into the discussion. Okay, I just want to add from, one more thing. You know, yeah, just when yeah. you talked about this migration sure. thing, like we talk about, say uh, there are also man-made borders now. You know, like the or a tree that the Mijos think from where they were all born and all that is right now in Myanmar. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just wanted to bring Suraj into the discussion. So Suraj, uh, you know, this fear of migrants. it has been around for many decades the thing is that uh, you know we we've, we've also had these mechanisms institutional mechanisms and efforts most recently and famously the nrc to try and deal with this fear to address the issue now do you think that these mechanisms will ever come to a final conclusion no i think i think let me begin by responding to sangeeta's uh, point on nelly um not all but a few graves of the victims of nelly uh, on their tombstones their names are marked in assamese um there was a question that a journalist asked once uh, to hannah arendt uh, the journalist uh, asked her that um despite nazism why why are you still committed to german language um a reply of arendt was that well the language didn't go mad um but uh to that a uh, philosopher derida responds saying that no actually language can go mad and this fear that you speak of um i believe comes from maddening of assamese language which um is the sort of basis of uh, nationalism um very intimately linked to um the concept of outsider uh, and and that depends uh, to which i mean from whose point of view are we talking of the outsider now from the point of view of a caste assamis um there could potentially be two outsiders that i can think of um there could be more of course the first is of course um the quote unquote bangladeshi as an outsider which has a long history of migration as you pointed out the other is also the tribal as nazim would you know sort of pointed out that there is a certain distance uh, of the tribal from um so in that sense they are internal other and external other uh, to use a category 
So in that sense, I think, um, of course, the category of the outsider migration, everything collapses to uh, the metaphor of Bangladeshi, which we saw in, in case of Jahangirpuri even, that, that uh, it doesn't matter whether you are a Bengali Muslim or not. Uh, it, it carries that weight of designating a kind of an exclusive uh, you know, sort of identity to this. Um, so I would say that, of course, the category of outsider uh, encapsulated through all these uh, is kind of a specter that haunts the Northeast. Okay. I would, I would like and to just add one point okay. to him about the language. Nagaland was earlier part of Assam and it was uh, separated from Assam in 1963. Even uh, the one of the uh, reasons that Nagaland got separated from Assam was Assamese language was imposed on Nagaland and, and well, the result is Nagamese language, right? So uh, th this linguistic hegemony, hegemony is there uh, since uh, I mean for a long time in Assam. That is there. If you do not speak Assamese language properly, there are people who will tell that he cannot speak Assamese language properly. How can he be Assamese? So that is there. Would you like to come in on this, Sangeeta? Um, yeah, because you know you have to see also take note of how the language became the mar marker of identity, the community's identity. It goes back to the um, British era, okay, when Bengali was imposed. Yeah. So there was hegem one. Uh, uh, the whole, uh, you know, the Bengali hegemony was to be fought with. <laughs> and then when you see this whole thing trickling down, you will see now that the boroughs were the first to revolt. Okay, then of course we have the borough language now. And then the boroughs are imposing, you said, Ito boro bhi bolta in my borough area. Okay, so it is now coming down to that. You know? yeah. so, so the history that she's talking about, the history of imposition of Bangla, uh, that is basically after 1826 when following the Anglo-Burmese war, uh, the Ahom Kingdom was integrated into the British Indian Empire. And uh, after its integration, it was included uh, in Bengal presidency and the Bengali language was uh, sort of uh, made the official language in Assam. And that was uh, in many ways the root of many of the issues and problems between linguistic identities which followed in subsequent years. So, uh, Sangeeta, in your book, I found a very interesting point uh, in your book about the Assam Accord. And uh, it's, it's basically about the recent roots of, of some of this identity politics, which relates to the emergency, mm. right? You've written about the emergency. Yes. And Golab Borbora and uh, Murarji Desai, so could you please tell our audience a little bit about that? Yeah, because, um, you know, uh, I looked at when I started, look, um, um, you know, digging in that uh, period, of course, then you had to go back, um, uh, partition and beyond, you know, even uh, British era and all. So then I, uh, when you see this whole thing linearly, and of course, this Assam hesitation, uh, why it happened and... Uh, so uh, that time I was looking at this whole emergency thing, you know, uh, uh, when um, uh, two things, when I grew up in Assam, well, we were told that partition didn't affect us. Why it didn't affect us? Because the books don't talk about it. Books only talk about North India, okay. So we have Punjabi literature and all of that about, about partition and all that. I'm very aware of all this. But in my backyard, what was happening, uh, I had no clue, you know. Like for example, one part of Assam had gone away 
and that is how assam has two valleys now borak valley and uh, uh, brahmaputra uh, uh, valley then look at tripura okay so all these histories were there and when you look at the whole assam issue then you can't forget partition you know it's also the, the fount so uh, uh, that that was uh, uh, there and then um, uh, another thing i always heard people saying that emergency didn't affect assam okay why because Congress won elections there for, so. Uh, but then uh, it's not just the winning, and uh, uh, soon after that, the first non-Congress government, the Janta government, was uh, uh, formed in Assam, which you mentioned about the Assam Chief Minister then Gulab Borbara. So and Moraji Desai was there. So uh, during my digging, I just found that uh, at that time Gill, uh, okay, Ms. Gill was. Uh, live and i had interviewed him so he uh, said that you know this major reason uh, why this whole unrest was pushed by the janta people you know it's this bulk because indira gandhi was looking for a place to uh, contest elections at the time and nobody uh, would give her a seat you know so then congress rule was there so they said you contest from here first enter mongoldoi you know, uh, so whole thing began from mongoldoi after that of course she didn't contest from there she contested from karnataka so but uh, and that is where i think that this whole conversation there is a very important conversation uh, between moraji desai and uh, bordeloi i mentioned in delhi okay so uh, that is where this whole thing you see and much later lot of um, at that time you know uh, there is a um, there was a um, um, senior bureaucrat at that time and he has also written a book where he mentioned that this was uh, you know triggered by that and at that time the whole people are here talking about bangladeshi as a bengali muslim origin muslim but at that time bangladeshi was of course not nothing to do with religion it was a good bengali speaking a eh? and also the outsider thing was also nepalis because there were many nepalis who were pushed out of bhutan and had to come and stay there and also when after 1962 when the roads have to be constructed at the time so lot of nepali uh, laborers had come from nepal and from what is we call darjeeling and all these areas but because it was a nefa at the time so nobody could settle down there after work so they had settled in assam so they were right. also looked at as now outsiders coming you know? right just a little yeah. uh, bit of partition Yes, Sangeeta is right. Uh, the partition history. When we talk uh, the partition history of Assam, what has uh, been the impact on that state is not uh, written much, and it's not discussed much. My grandmother, um, there was a huge riot in Assam after the partition. It, it happened in 1950, and most of the people from my community, they are they they, they are illiterate. You go to Assam, and you you will see it is the most. Uh, uh, most of the people have not got the chance to take formal education uh, so how they remember their age the elderly people they remember their age ki my son was born during the time of uh, riot so what was the riot uh, riot happened in 1950 and what is this riot riot they they, they call it right rioter bosor they will tell like this rioter bosor right ka yaar so uh, 1950 what happened <laughs> many people uh, many people means uh, in thousands they had to migrate from assam to east bengal because their houses were burned 
attacks were unleashed and these people are i'm talking about armenians many people had to flee india and they had to take shelter to east pakistan in 1951 there was an agreement signed between nehru and uh, then prime minister yeah, the nehru liaquat uh, pakistan liaquat this is called nehru liaquat pact 1951 and after that uh, pact was signed these people had uh, these people came back to us some again uh, so yes this uh, history as we are discussing outsider today so the out the the burden of partition fell on that outsider then and the burden is continuing on these outsiders now in 21st century today and one thing i quickly want to add you know particularly women from the northeast what they face this when we are talking about the outsider business is like if you marry outside the community okay so now there are a lot of states where they are trying to bring in laws okay so it's directly linked to land uh, land is a major issue about identity it's very closely linked so if you are marrying outsider so you cannot get benefit or anything can't be counted as this thing so when i was part of this even in assam is non tribal uh, society uh, i have married uh, somebody from uh, kerala so when i was uh, discussing this with someone who was very pro nrc and various things were happening so uh, the the gentleman told me he said why are you so bothered you are anyway married an outsider so i my voice is taken away but then i reminded him about bhupen hazarika who was married to an outsider i said is he an assamese or not so yeah. i think the women face in across whether it's tribal or non tribal when we talking about the outsider issue we also had to take note of this right yeah of course there are so many aspects to this uh, identity issue and in fact uh, about uh, you know speaking about marriages i think i have often heard uh, back in shillong talk about uh, rhetoric of purity of blood mm -hmm. and i think that that is also still there i think arhe might know also about is it there it's very much there right very much there um but i think i also want to go back to what i said earlier about um outsiders in england um and i think if i don't say this i <laughs> might get into trouble and which is um you know there's a growing um recognition for um nagas all the nagas living in the rest of the northeastern states and also including uh, nagas from northwest myanmar you know so their wish to be um to live together as one entity um, in greater nagaland if their wish is being accepted by the government of india to do so you know so but till the time that happens you know even those nagas who live in assam arunachal or manipur um they continue to be outsiders you know so in terms right. yeah so in terms of um, sharing anything in nagaland you know uh, whether it's property or any other benefits that the government gives them the state government gives them they do not have the rights on any of those things yeah right. and uh, coming to the marriages i think there's a new law that's coming up and um again i'm also have you know my mother is from dangami tribe so um, there's a new law that's coming up the children from um, women marrying outside um, we will not have anything to do with nagaland but man who's married from outside they have full uh, rights to you know everything that's a naga would have okay. you know yeah well uh, yeah so that's also one of those together we we'll lines of fracture <laughs> yeah good luck we'll find a new state as <laughs> well and uh, <laughs> uh the issue of religion right so i think uh, it it was there right in the beginning also 
the issue of religion, religious identity, and of course it's there in NRC and CAA. So, uh, and now the you know the nationally dominant politics is definitely there in Northeast India as well, even in unlikely places like Nagaland. So, Suraj, how would you characterize this relationship between Hindu nationalism and Assamese nationalism? That's a very difficult question. Uh, I think let me begin by. Um, uh, stating something that happened very recently uh, of uh, granting indigenous status to Assamese Muslims. And this section of people have publicly said that religion does not matter to us. And I don't think this is coming from a place of freedom, to say the least. When a Muslim says that my, my religion doesn't matter and I want just in private spaces, I think this is a serious case of unfreedom. Um, and this is where I think there is an organic overlap of both nationalisms. And I'm stating in plural because they have different origins. Um, and we ought to recognize that origin. And uh, let me briefly also um, uh, sort of direct the conversation to a different uh, zone uh, about the outsider by saying that uh, perhaps we can think about this concept of hospitability. If you are hospitable to someone, the degree of how hospitable you are uh, determines who is an insider and an outsider. Um, and as societies in India, we are all known to be very hospitable to our guests and to others. But the moment this question of outsider comes, you suddenly become not hospitable, indeed hostile. And, and all forms of you know, negative emotions flow in. And when this category of quote unquote Bangladeshi is brought into the fore within Northeast, and this takes many different identities. If you go to Mizoram and uh, Arunachal, the Bangladeshi is a Chakma, who is a Buddhist Chakma. Um, so in, in that sense, you know, uh, how hospitable we are, I think is a, uh, is a mark of uh, who is an outsider and not. Okay. We have to talk a little bit at least about the media. And I want to ask Amit, Amit, you're in the local media. How free is it? Can you tell stories freely and fearlessly? Yeah, I mean, as long as you have enough money to fight cases, I guess, because right now we are facing a few, which is a good thing. Uh, but a uh, lot of things that have been discussed here. Um, first and foremost, I sort of disagree with the... And well, Let me first state that I am absolute outsider in the Northeast. I was a Jharkhandi from Bihar and I landed up in Assam. I don't know how, but I got a job there. So, but I'm here for, on behalf of East Mojo. So in terms of the stories that we do, um, there is no terms as outsider in Northeast because you can be an outsider in Karbi Anglong also, which is, you can be an Assamese and still be outsider in Karbi Anglong, one district, for example. In fact, uh, we did a story which said that 61% of the population in a tribal known district like Karbi is non-Karbi. So non-tribal population is much more. So um, no, Northeast, I mean, it looks nice and all, but it's no European Union. So an Assamese is as much an outsider in Mizoram as a Mizo is an outsider in Nagaland. I'm an outsider in every state that I visit for work, for example. There is that. So right. uh, in terms of stories uh, in Sikkim, for example, the outsider point has now been brought up after a small protest in Jantar Mantar. And now Sikkim is demanding ILP. 
Manipur has gone beyond ILP and now they are setting up a population commission to set up NRC, for example. Uh, Meghalaya legislator passed the ILP, but it's not been implemented because the right. BJP doesn't want it. So, Can I add yeah, something? Yeah. So, so these... Just one quickly. point. Yeah, because I have one more question. Yeah, sure. yeah. No, I, I think just to respond to Amit, that even within Northeast, not just Northeast, any society or community for that matter, you will find a vocabulary very, you know, sort of organic to that language, to the word outsider. So if you look at any community within Northeast, say Missings, Mipak is an outsider. If you go to Khasis, you will have an outsider. So that the, the word uh, does exist and it, it does replicate in everyday life as right. well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dakar and so on and so forth. Um, so I have a question about we are sitting in Delhi, and uh, this is after all a media event. So I would like to ask a question about the national media's role, and I'd like to ask it to you, Nazim, about the national media's coverage and role in driving the politics of NRC, CAA, and where do you see this going? Well, uh, if you talk about national media, national media, I divide it in, uh, I mean, many people divide it in two segments. One is Godi media, which is very popular these days. And uh, one is liberal media. But when we talk about uh, liberal democratic spaces, uh, so-called, then when we talk about these outsiders, I'll just come to, again, the specification of the outsider, how this outsider of Assam is different than the outsider of Tamil Nadu or some other place. Uh, the, the stories of the outsiders are not given space neither by Godi media nor by the liberal media. You write mail to uh, the liberal spaces, they will not even reply. Many, you just uh, um, tell how many stories they have done from marginalized sections or marginalized places on Northeast India. We have a uh, representative from uh, NDTV located in um, uh, one one, uh, one representative is there in Northeast India, but how many stories he does on the bad roads of Nagaland? You see the condition of the roads. You need to travel uh, to travel hundred kilometer. You need to spend six hours. Your vehicle speed is ten kilometer, twelve kilometer per hour. Then I'll just uh, add one more point. How this outsider thing is different than in Tamil Nadu and in other states and in Assam? These outsider things. Uh, you know, uh, on the basis of the categorization of outsider, policies are shaped like NRC, de-voter. Now, government is taking stringent mechanism, barbaric mechanism like evictions on the outsiders. On the pre uh, premised on the basis of what? Doubt. I mean, in Assam, uh, it is unfortunate that many cases are happening of human rights violation. And if you just label the word called devoter, uh, sorry, doubtful, you are excused. Uh, I'll just take one more second. In to, uh, 2012, uh, 12 or 13, I have forgotten, uh, there was a kind of riot between Bodos and uh, the Mias there. It was a kind of a serious violence there. And I am from Bodoland, I am from that region. Many of my, uh, this thing, people from my villages are missing. Uh, even still they are missing even today, for years. But the stories I read in media is that this is a clash between Bangladeshi illegal immigrants and between Bodos. Like how, how it is possible? My own uncle got killed in the conflict, right? And they are not Bangladeshis. 
and whenever i i would like to tell this to audience whenever you heard this word bangladeshi in assam no you please understand that they are referring to a mia muslim who is very much indian they are very much serving in the indian armed forces they are very much working day and night for the upliftment of ahomia society assamese society for india for assam they this is completely misplaced this is completely uh, a political agenda that is they are playing that is i wanted to yeah okay. i want to just add one okay. in the question of outsiders i think nagaland is unique um, because you know the, the the constitution has granted them the you know 300 371a in the constitution to give them the uh, right to protect their land and um, their property you know so in this case in nagaland's case there's actually no room to debate for um, you know outsiders to claim for the rights or property or anything so i think in this sense nagaland is probably unique than the rest of the other northeastern states okay okay um, i'll just add one thing that um, i think we depend too much on mainland media to be honest as somebody who works in the northeast i mean you can read a lot of media from the northeast now they are they are available i mean read east mojo is talking about roads you've been writing about 4 years now in fact this is the first time we did a story recently where the nagaland cm has accepted in the assembly that the koima uh, dimapur road expansion road line expansion may never happen the cm is on record in the assembly saying that forget that road it's been 20 years it will never get completed and he incidentally uh, cited 371a he said that it's too much of power to the local people yeah, so this like the cm is blaming local people for not completion of projects and mainland media is not writing about it because the same happened with the assam mizoram border clash when six people were shot we were getting calls as if like you know it happened all happened in a day and we had to tell them that listen we have been writing about it for 10 months now there have been escalations buildings were burned down property was vandalized farms were you know trucks had gone into farms of whether you see it as assam or mizoram so i think it's about time that people here also start reading media from the northeast instead of just hoping that you know express or um, no offense but express or wire will tell you everything like you know there's only so much space most mainland media have one correspondent in a state but no, no, i just want to add to this to the because you mentioned wire uh, there's something uh, to say you know when we were reporting on nrc initial days i think wire was the first to mention to bring to the national media through a video this thing that who is a d voter and all of that okay so but anyway so when we were uh, i was writing at the time saying that uh, who are the who are in the jails this this uh, so called uh, uh, you know detention centers and i found that many of these people who were there are actually uh, uh, people from Be uh, hindu bengali origin and not the muslims but what you see is in the national media at that time was that and finally at the end when this whole nrc thing came i think why i was spot on <laughs> right okay. we, we have though, though we have focused much on assam actually the entire northeast is outsider from yeah, the perspective so of india so uh, that is one and uh, regarding the wire of course we are very happy when the wire came up i was personally very happy but uh, the kind of space they should have given i mean not only the wire the media platforms like the wire there are many they did not give the okay. plights of the people there are manifold and second thing is that now we all know the problems we 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 should see how the problem should not get worse we should I, look into that i I, I, uh, i agree and on that happy note that yes as you can see as the audience can probably see there are many of these issues and they are contentious and the framing of insider and outsider might see 
you know, in some cases, for example, the national media being framed as an outsider in the Northeast and vice versa. So even those identifications happen. So, so on that note, I think I'll open it up for questions. And I see that we are, we are fortunate to have here uh, the doyen of uh, writing about our region, Sanjoy Hazarika. So I'll take the first question from Sanjoy. As in all such conversations, the first question is, can you hear me? Yes, yes. OK. Uh, there's no such thing as a national media. They're only metro media. That's a very fundamental fact. The second thing is I'm very glad you pointed out the issue of the pejorative that is being used to describe a particular community because that's become like standard uh, par for the course. Uh, the third point I want to make is uh, very simple. Is that, um, I think one of you referred to it, is that uh, in many ways everybody is an outsider and everybody is also an insider. The insider becomes an outsider somewhere else. And whether you're a Dakar or any other, you know, Bahari or Manhu, you know, it's, it's something that we all need to be cognizant of. The last point, very quickly, is one positive thing is that people are voting with their feet. You know, more many people, you look at this, at this uh, group here, uh, Sangeeta, Samrat, Suraj to some degree is here and there. Uh, a lot of people are moving uh, out of the Northeast in search of opportunities and, and jobs. I wish the reverse was also true. You know, and I think people are indicating that they want uh, safety, security, peace, and all the things that go with it. You know, a good education, livelihood, stability. I think that's one thing that I've seen certainly in the last few decades. Thanks, Sanjayva. That sums up a lot of things. Suraj, you want to say something? Brief response. Thank you, Sanjada. I, I think uh, my point about uh, saying that there is a term for outsider in every community is not to dilute the fact that there is no parallel between me and Ahom being an outsider to a missing in Assam to a Bangladeshi becoming an outsider in Assam. There is no parallel to that. Uh, and we shouldn't be diluting that. My, my point was not uh, because of uh, to, to indicate that, but to state that there is a distinction and uh, difference. I would like to add just one line. Uh, thank you, uh, Sanjay sir, for your comment. Uh, one line I found it very interesting. Outsider is insider somewhere, right? But those who are outsider in Assam, they are not insider anywhere. For instance, if we talk about Mias, where are they outsider? Uh, where are they insider? They are not insider anywhere. If you call them outsider, they're in Assam where they are born and brought up. They're not insider anywhere. They are always outsider. They live out as outsider. They die as outsider. That is what I wanted to do. I see a hand at the back over there. Uh, hi, my name is Vasuda. I just wanted to say there can be different ways of trying to define that. And one way could be of trying to see who is someone who works in an area, who is serving the community there. And if that could be a way to define an insider for a region, and can the media also try and shift the definition of an insider and an outsider based on that kind of a definition? 
would that help or is that possible that was my question so many things are possible provided it's done <laughs> and i just suddenly remembered you know when you talked about someone who had worked for the community uh, there was this gentleman sanjay ghosh who used to work in the within the community in majuli and people really liked his work loved him but then um, uh, he unfortunately got killed uh, it was the peak of militancy and the ulfa killed him and calling him an outsider you know and uh, so this is amazing that the people the local people disagreed with him and uh, so that's something uh, which is workable okay and the other instruments that i see the government bringing say even assam accord is an instrument you know to define who is an outsider and insider all these adcs are uh, the councils are or if naga accord happens it will be one okay but the uh, thing is that Uh, uh, uh all the time these things are brought in by the governments um um without you know uh, in the sense that uh, they're not able to bringing a bringing uh, uh, an instrument where it doesn't uh, encourage uh, um you know um uh, kind of um, um, an upheaval among the other communities you know so that is what when assamese language in assam was to be when the states were being divided in the uh, uh, in, uh, in terms of language assamese language the government decided state government that this will be a so then suddenly in barak this happened and they were a very small community how would they fight you know and then they took they tried to take help from neighboring bengal and bengal had to push for this and why but paying another price which is nepali had to be recognized in other language in assa in, in bengal so that is this very interesting coincidence you know so this is what the problem is you know yeah, so so basically for every you know every issue once we start digging it goes back way back because you find that now they might have hit headlines but as you dig you find that oh it happened 50 100 150 years ago there was something going on Sir, you wanted to ask a question. Yeah, I rather want to make a comment. Uh, we all started from the position of insecurity, uh, existential uh, questions. Uh, I just want I, I just want to leave a thought with the with the friends. See, the whole discourse of minority in India is confined to religious and linguistic minority. But if you look at the UN documents on minority. it starts with national or ethnic minority and then it goes to religious minority and then to linguistic minority but somehow in india's minority discourse we have completely forgotten national and ethnic minority i'm just wondering is it because of this unaddressed issue in terms of our policy gap in the very foundation of our constitution uh, that the the sense of insecurity of many people started and then of course things multiply so the fear is that you fear and you start to protect and then you hit on other people's fear and so it it continues i mean notice is a very unique situation but it is not so unique if you cross the border in myanmar things are not too different from uh, northeast there there is a recognition of ethnic minorities whether it is chin kachin karen san if you go to china for example the idea of ethnic minority is very well embedded even though yunnan province is also a, a huge kind of um, uh, array of cultures ethnic minorities are very well recognized there and their protection is part of the constitutional framework there 
uh, I mean, undemocratic as they may be. But in India, there is a huge gap. Uh, there are ad hoc arrangements in terms of one uh, peace negotiation here, one peace negotiation there. But there's no comprehensive understanding of how are we going to deal with this national struck uh, ethnic minorities in this country. So perhaps we need to go back to our drawing board and see, is this the point where we need to start working on? Thank you very much. Thank you. Last question, please. Yeah. Uh, my question is to Sangeeta, ma'am. Uh, you mentioned about diversity, right? Like Assam has a, uh, a large diversity. But I think like the entire problem of, of Assam is that it doesn't have diversity at all. So are you from Assam? Yeah. OK. It doesn't have, it doesn't have diversity. Because when you talk about like uh, the entire unrest within Assam, is because like diversity comes with equity, equality. And in Assam, there is, it's a pluralist society where like, you know, the society is divided into hierarchy. So pluralism comes with hierarchy, but diversity comes with equality. Like, you know, you give equal space to every ethnic community or every, even like suppose, uh, example for Dewri. Dewri is a community or missing as a community is getting extinct. Why? Because there is not like, we don't uh, give equal space to them. That is very, where the demand is coming, like this autonomous council demand of Dewri or missing and Borough has already got it, right? So I think like the issue is that like, you know, we talk about diversity, but then the society is plural. It's not diverse. You know, uh, he's pointed out correctly. So that's the thing, you know, but when you, um, of course, it has to be recognized that uh, the, um, uh, you know, this hegemony of the non-tribal Assamese on the tribals, uh, it's, it has to be recognized. And uh, uh, so that is all the, the, the fount of all that, you know, I mean, like this wanting to have their own um, uh, uh, governance, uh, uh, you know, system. So that's the reason you have these autonomous councils. But then has it, my question was, that has it been able to solve that problem? As Bablu Loitambam has just pointed out now, you know, we need to perhaps look at this. There are multiple instruments being brought. Like if you go to Manipur, to the Churachanpur side, which borders uh, Myanmar, you will see that they, all they are demanding is not a state, but they said, give us what you gave to the boroughs. Okay. Boroughs are very unhappy. And they said, no, you give us a new accord now. And will that solve? And very interesting, the borough accord, you know, it's been signed, by, uh, given uh, the, the reins to a community where they're in a minority in that region, you know. So that has led to other problems, okay. So that is what I feel that one needs, Indian state will have to somehow think of a newer way to address this. Yes, if you want to continue playing politics, you can very well do it, what is happening now. But if you want people to live together, and it's a very interesting, uh, when you see the Indian map, you know, we, where do you see the most diversity? You see it in that region. So it makes all the more reason and sense to actually bring something, you know, which is workable there. Another reason is also we're so obsessed with this Pakistan and all of that. All the international borders are on that side. Let's look at that side too, you know, with some uh, long-term solution. And uh, just one point. The newer way, Sangeeta is talking, the near, newer way Indian state should uh, focus is to learn to treat human beings as human beings. That is the only way if you identify Muslims as Muslims, if you identify Nagas as Nagas, if you identify 
one community has that community, okay, that someone has died, okay, he's from which community, he's Bihari, okay, fine, no problem. That, if that attitude is there, there will not be, no matter how much peace treaty you sign, no matter how much instrument you bring in, nothing will solve. Learn to treat human being as human being. Yeah, completely agree. Because that is where what, what made us, when this whole NRC thing was happening, upgrade, uh, updating was happening, what moved a lot of people across is that because many people were not treated as human beings and as per law. So that's something, two things we need to keep in mind. Right. Okay, I think we are clean out of time. So I hope you've enjoyed the discussion. I think it was a lively one and we covered a fair amount of ground in the time available. So thank you very much. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.